Well, welcome to Arthur Grimes, who is a senior fellow at MOTU and has just published a paper. Arthur, fantastic to uh, see you. Yeah, great to talk to you again, Bernard. And um, uh, uh, with your uh, hat on as a, uh, a researcher into housing, could you tell us a bit more about this housing, this paper on public housing? Well, this is part of a larger program that's an uh, MB-funded endeavour program called Public Housing and Urban Regeneration, Maximising Wellbeing. And uh, this paper uh, specialises in looking at the wellbeing effects of people being in public housing relative to uh, either private tenancies or owner occupation, home ownership. Um, it ties in as well with my um, other role, which is a professor of well-being in public policy. So I've got both my housing and my well-being hats on <laughs> for this one, uh, which is great. And so uh, this is really saying the, the main question we ask is if people uh, get placed in public housing, uh, do they, be, you know, uh, does that improve their well-being relative to being, especially in a private tenancy? Uh, and what we do to, to look at this is that we've run some surveys, uh, specially commissioned surveys of uh, public housing tenants, mainly in Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch, um, especially Wellington, and then some also, also some private sector tenants uh, and owner-occupiers in Wellington. Uh, and we compare a number of outcomes on well-being and also house condition and neighbourhoods, etc., uh, across these different uh, groups of groups of people, and, and see, uh, you know, how public housing affects people's well-being. And um, what was your hypothesis here? What, what, what were you trying to sort of um, uh, get to the bottom of? Well, uh, New Zealand has a very small proportion of housing that's public housing relative to most developed countries. So less than 4% of our houses is a, a, a public housing. And here when I talk about public housing, I'm talking about uh, um, local government, central government through Kainga Ora, and also community housing providers, or known as CHIPs, um, housing trusts and those sorts of things. Uh, so they're all classed as public housing in this. Uh, and so New Zealand is a very small proportion of, of public housing uh, relative to many countries. And there's a question mark as to whether, uh, given the social, you know, societal problems we have, etc., whether public housing uh, is meeting the need and whether, um, if it is, you know, should we have more of it? Really, that's the overarching question. Uh, so this, is, uh, this research is designed to get at the, you know, perhaps a narrow uh, point saying of the people that are in public housing now, how does that compare with people who are not? Now, one of the difficulties in doing this research is that to get into public housing is very difficult, and one often has to face multiple deprivations. It's not just income uh, levels, but it could also be uh, social functioning, social skills. It could be uh, that you've been subject to family violence or you know all sorts of things like that. So immediately one might suspect that people in public housing, just by virtue of those factors, will be... Uh, less happy, have lower well-being than people in, in private, you know, tenancies, for instance. What we find, however, is quite the opposite, um, that despite all those setbacks in life that people have had to be able to make them eligible for public housing, uh, um, people are actually quite a lot happier in public housing than they are in private rentals, uh, and pretty much on a par with people who are homeowners, people who are owner-occupiers. Uh, so this is um, suggesting that the uh, 
being placed in public housing um, relative to private tenancies uh, has lifted people's well-being substantially. And this doesn't... um, Some of our uh, surveyed areas uh, of public housing have income-related rent subsidy and some don't. Um, This goes across both groups. Uh, So it's not just related to the income-related rent subsidy. It's it's more widespread than that. Uh, And so we dug into it a little bit more. Why would it be the case that people in public housing, despite the setbacks they've had in life, are happier than those in private housing. And when we looked at a whole raft of factors, what we found, the main one, is that uh, it seems to be to do with length of tenure in the current house. So uh, if private tenants have been in the same house for a long time, say uh, one or two decades, then they're as happy as people in public housing. Uh, But when people have only been in private housing for a short amount of time, uh, they're quite a lot less happy than people in public housing. And so that implies to, um, that the security of tenure is a big issue uh, and, and a big difference, of course, that we know between public and private uh, tenancies. Public uh, housing tenancies are normally secure, um, very unlikely to be, um, to be evicted, and uh, the providers, whether it's community housing uh, providers or the county uh, or local government, normally work to make sure that people can can stay in their tenancy if, if, um, if they're facing problems, whereas private tenancies are much more likely to be evicted. So we think that's probably quite a major factor explaining why public housing tenants are, are happier than people in private tenancies. Well, why is, um, why is it so insecure to be a tenant in a private rental in New Zealand? Because um, there are private um, tenancies overseas uh, where people can be in the same place for an awful long time, but we have quite a short average tenancy for private rentals here. What's going on? Yeah, it's, it's very odd. When I go and visit you know, people that I know, say, in Switzerland, and they're um, professional people, you know, professional uh, families, couples, etc., like that, they're in rented housing that's basically rented out to them for, for life, you know, essentially. It's, it's, it's a permanent tenancy. Uh, and uh, this is quite common in, in Europe in, in particular, that their tenancies are very long-term, uh, whether they're private or public. Uh, that's never been the case in New Zealand. So there might be a social um, factor there. It's just not the norm, and people you know, don't, don't expect it, whether they're landlords or, or tenants. Uh, but also tenancy laws in New Zealand traditionally have been such that uh, <coughs> you know, owners can or landlords can essentially uh, evict people um, pretty easily, um, and that may be, you know, for just cause, if you like, for um, uh, not paying their rent or, 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 or um, not looking after their, their tenancy. Uh, but it also could be because they're selling the house or all sorts of other things, or a family member wants to move in. Um, these sorts of things. So um, it's a very different scene. The, the legal situation is different in New Zealand, much less secure than it is in many European countries, for instance. Could, could it be that um, the cost of renting a private rental in New Zealand uh, may be higher relative to incomes than in other countries and therefore there's a bit more rental stress? I've seen some figures that show that New Zealand has the highest share of people on the lowest income quintile who are paying more than 40% of their rent. Uh, rent uh, mostly to private um, landlords uh, in rent. Could that be the factor? I mean, as we know, housing in New Zealand is 
exorbitantly expensive, whether it's for ownership or rental. Um, in the OECD, in the latest figures, New Zealand is um, the highest or second highest, depending on the measure, uh, out of all countries in the OECD in terms of um, affordability of housing relative to incomes. So all housing in New Zealand is incredibly expensive, and that's been a fault of successive governments for, for probably for 20 years now. Um, and uh, so it doesn't, I think, explain the difference between public and private um, well-being and happiness and security, because if you're in a private tenancy, you've still got to live somewhere, even if you leave the current the current house. Uh, so um, I think what, the, what you've put your finger on is just an extraordinarily... Uh, you know, a poorly performing housing market all round when it comes to prices. And uh, one of the other thing that's, uh, things that um, they, these very short tenancies for private rentals, uh, one of the effects is that it often leads to uh, children um, having to bounce through schools. So there's a lot of uh, issues with um uh, you know, people not being very secure in their education and um, extra stress there. Uh, there's been some research into this by the uh, the intergenerational studies, the, um, uh, the, the, the Dunedin one and the Auckland one from memory. Um, mm-hmm. How important, therefore, is it, this, this uh, tenancy security and tenure in other uh, issues around well-being? Yeah, it's, it's incredibly important for children. Uh, and as you say, there have been some studies in New Zealand and as part of this broader research program, part of this Endeavour-funded program, we'll be looking further at um, the effects of public housing versus private housing and security of tenure on uh, children's outcomes. Uh, that's going to be a major um, piece of research over the next two years. Uh, but that's, I guess when it comes down to it, that's where my main concern is. You know, I mean, I always think, you know, well, adults, it's problematic, but when things are affecting children's well-being, that's going to affect them for the rest of their lives and probably their children's lives and their, you know, grandchildren's lives. So it's really important that we get these things right um, for for the children. And I just, you know, I can't believe coming from my background, you know, where I've never had to worry about these things, what it must be like to be living in a house with children knowing that you might not be there in six months' time or something. It must be just a terrible situation. Um, and I think that you know comes back to also the social norm about not having long-term tenancies. Why would you look after a house if you didn't have a long-term tenancy? You'd have no incentive to look after a house. So um, it seems that we've, we've sort of locked ourselves in New Zealand into this situation where private tenancies are short-term. That's really detrimental to people's welfare. Um, certainly to the adults' welfare, which is what we show in this study, but I'm sure it is for children's welfare as well. Um, and you know, we need to we need to address this partly through tenancy laws and partly through ensuring that there's a greater provision of public housing, whether that's through community housing providers or uh, you know, kind or local government, etc. Public housing in general is just it's just not enough of it to meet people's needs at you know of people who are really facing severe hardships. Mm. So th- this paper's results, um, what do you think they should say to us about how we do housing policy or um, how we think about public housing? Because there has been, you know, a long, for a long period, the, a view that government's role is not in housing, that, that um, government can never do as good a job as the private sector at building houses quickly or cheaply 
and that um, actually everyone would be better off um, uh, not living in public housing um, and that, um, you know, a, a private house is a, is a much better thing. Yeah, um, so a couple of points. Uh, just before I touch on that one, I just want to mention another couple of points in the paper, which is about how we do housing mm. in general. Housing quality and neighbourhood quality are both very important for people's well-being as well. And we mm. find that, you know, cold, damp uh, houses that are in poor condition are bad for people's well-being. Neighbourhoods that are unsafe or have low degree of sort of community um, uh, are not good for people's well-being as well. Um, but coming to the broader question that you raise, uh, public housing uh, is not necessarily a government thing. Uh, and I think that's really important to understand. It's uh, In New Zealand, we have the community housing providers. Uh, we have local government as well as central government. Um, so, And I'm agnostic, to be honest, as to who, who does the, who provides the public housing. And we've had successive regimes in, in New Zealand um, favouring different types of public housing. Uh, and uh, and I'm, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not too fussed whether it's done by central government, local government, or uh, community housing providers, uh, and you know, housing trusts and those types of things. Uh, it normally requires some government assistance to get the um, community housing providers um, to be able to offer this um, type of housing, um, especially in income-related rents, which are available for community housing providers for the chips. Um, and so that is a government role and funding, but not necessarily provision. Uh, so I just think we need um, to think, okay, there are a large number of people, and especially children, who are living in precarious housing situations. What's going to be, if we want to solve or you know, address some of the social ills that we've got in this country, perhaps the most important thing we can do is to provide them with secure housing uh, while they're growing up, while these children are growing up. Um, and as you say, secure schooling, secure access to medical facilities, all those sorts of things that come from being in the same house when you're growing up. Uh, and given, especially given the private uh, tenancy situation in New Zealand, the unsatisfactory nature of it, uh, you know, we just need to make sure that there are more public housing uh, places there of whatever description. It doesn't matter to me who provides those. Yeah, there's obviously been some increase in the number of uh, houses that are both... Um, publicly owned, but also, I suppose you could call it publicly funded social housing, so that by uh, CHIPS, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a sense of the scale of the issue here, you know, just how many people uh, and how many children are living in those sorts of insecure, less than uh, healthy, you know, damp, cold homes uh, that, um, you know, if we had a magic wand, we'd, we should um, build 100,000 houses or 200,000 houses or 10,000, I don't know. Well, you know, we've only got a certain number of resources to be able to provide these mm. things, but it's, um, uh, I mean, the, the public housing wait list is over 25,000, that's households, mm. and, and I, would, I would imagine, and I don't know for sure, but I imagine most of those will involve children. Um, and that's only the people who are in serious housing need, by definition. That's the definition of it. Uh, so, you know, that's a, that's a bare minimum. Um, and while we've increased the number of public housing um, houses available uh, in recent years, the population has increased a lot over recent decades. Uh, so uh, it's absolutely critical uh, that we're increasing the public housing stock faster than the population's increasing. And that's been a major problem in New Zealand where it's been increasing or decreasing. If, if it has been increasing, it's still been increasing more slowly than the population. 
Just finally, uh, Arthur, um, we've just come through a year where we've had a net migration of uh, 96,200. And uh, uh, we've increased the um, number of social houses uh, by uh, net a few hundred, and there's plans um, to increase it by 3,000 in the next um, year or two, and then um, possibly another 6,000 on top of that. Um, uh, as well as that, we've got some private houses being built. Just, just generally, you know, you talked about twenty years of uh, housing market failures. Um, are we building enough houses, enough of the right houses um, uh, for those people who who need them, but also just generally for all the people? Uh, the answer is, on a, on a systematic basis, the answer is no, we not, haven't been building enough houses uh, and haven't been for two decades at least. Um, so this has been just an extraordinary problem in New Zealand of um, constraints on housing supply of all sorts, You know, whether it's public housing, private housing, um, housing for rentals, housing for, for owner occupation. Uh, successive governments and local governments have really been very, very poor in terms of ensuring that the housing stock increases increasing fast enough to house the, the population that we have and house them satisfactorily and house them at a price that they can afford rather than being the most expensive in the OECD. And you've been doing this for a long time. You've got a few grey hairs like me. Um, <laughs> uh, you must have thought a lot about, you know, this is a not just a public policy problem, but a problem for, for everyone. Um, what do you think we could do here? If uh, I mean, magic wands are fun things, but, um, you know, th- there must be some things you've thought of or um, ideas you've got on, you know, just because you've done a lot of papers and research into these areas. In particular, I can remember the ones about um, the restrictions on land use and the difference in values between the inside and outside the zones. So what what do you think could be done here? Well, I think we've got to work out what our priorities are as a society. I mean, it's um, one of the most basic needs and Maslow's hierarchy of needs is shelter. Uh, and uh, shelter is not something that you can import. You can't, you can't um, you know, get it from overseas, etc. Like that it's something that we have to provide ourselves. Uh, and uh, so, whenever we've got some kind of regulation uh, law that's restricting uh, our ability to increase the amount of shelter we provide, the number of you know people we house, uh, we've got to think actually what we're doing is making people unable to meet their very, very basic need of shelter. Uh, so I think there needs to be a, a drastic um, change to the regulatory structure in terms of house building. Um, uh, you know, it's extraordinary that we have uh, protection of land for growing potatoes in favour of uh, housing children. Uh, I just find that an extraordinary um, priority that people would have, that it's better to grow potatoes than to house uh, house families with children. I mean, that, that, that just doesn't make any uh, ethical sense to me. Um, but that's just you know one example. We have so many of these sorts of examples in New Zealand, um, and I think we've got to get our head around the the idea that actually housing is just about the most basic need of of anything, and we need to uh, do you know make sure that we have enough houses, and then um, we have to understand that there are people who um, you know find it difficult to live in society. You know, the, um, and that's the the group in particular for whatever reason. Um, where public housing is absolutely critical because they're just not going to 
really successfully negotiate the private housing system. Thank you. Arthur Grimes there from Motu Research and Victoria University of Wellington, who's just uh, published uh, with Connell Smith, Kimberly O'Sullivan, Philippa Howden chapman Lydia LaCrosse and Rachel Kowalchuk-Dog, a, um, a paper called Microgeography and Public Housing Tenant Wellbeing. Arthur, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Bernard. Great talking to you.